remixed by Nick. What is his next Britney remix? My prerogative remix is everything. That's from Rachel from Yonkers, New York. Oh, Rachel. I can answer that question. Um, the next remix is Me Against the Music. Yes. And it's as good as you think it is. the exclusive first listen to Me Against the Music, Britney Spears, the Remix by Nick Remix. Uh, you'll find out more information about that coming up in this episode, but I want to welcome you to the Original Doll Podcast. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton. On the Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who created it. I've been able to deep dive into those global hits that we all love, those deep cuts, and some unreleased songs. So on the original doll, for every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. That's right, guests just popping up, answering any questions, we get items donated, and we give items such as new crafts, arts, books, toys, hygiene products, and more to communities in need. Follow me on Instagram to find out more, the.original.doll. And I want to give a shout out to all my Patreon patrons, from Xavier to Tyler to Tommy, Rochelle, uh, Tina, Rami, Lucy, Nick, Freddie, everyone. Thank you all so much. Uh, and I want to also thank you all, the listeners. We've been able to chart in almost 60 different charts on different countries globally. So thank you all so much for doing that. And over the next few weeks, we're going to be releasing more and more episodes with your favorite people and some of your favorite guests. But on this episode, I talked to Remix by Nick about his process. And also, we talk about leaking. We talk about those songs that get released online and proper crediting. So we go into all of that and more. So I'm not going to talk any more on it, but don't forget to follow me on Instagram, the.original.dal, or go old school, www.theoriginaldal.com. And here we go. On with the show. The original. Everyone, I'd like to welcome you back to the Original Doll Podcast. I am your host, James Rodriguez Horton. And today's special guest is somebody who many of you know, uh, mostly by his, uh, I was going to say, 
ears, but mostly by your ears, his music. You're just renowned for his... <laughs> it might be my ears, too. Who we, knows at this point? <laughs> I, I love it. We have Remixed by Nick. Or what, what do you prefer, by the way? Because I always like saying the way that people can easily find you. So yeah, that's that's the social media handle. That's that's easy to find, but just Nick is fine. Loud Italian Nick at Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that works, too. I love it. Okay, so Nick... I have a bunch of questions from listeners everywhere from Yonkers to Copenhagen to Chicago, Brasil, uh, so many places. So let's go ahead and just rewind back. How did you get started or how did music come into your life? I've always been around music the, since I was a, a baby. You know, my mom would be cleaning the house and she'd have music on. And, you know, my, my family was always, it was like a mix of Frank Sinatra and then like, R&B and Whitney Houston's playing, Michael Jackson's playing, and then my dad puts on Frank Sinatra. And it's just, I just grew up around so many different types of music. So it's just kind of been in me all this time. What was the first concert that you, or live music experience that you ever experienced? Um, Live music, just in general, was actually my dad's friend's band. Um, They did their own songs, they did some covers, but... What kind of band was it? um, I would say like more of a... Just like a, a rock, like that 90s alter, alt rock kind like of Creed. vibe. No, not like that. <laughs> a little more. They took a lot of inspiration from Bon Jovi. and Got It's it. just kind of like, they had a good mix of everything. Um, so I was, you know, here's me an eight-year-old in a bar with my parents, you know. You are Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't <worry>. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've, I'm very comfortable in a bar and a kitchen. So it's, you know, it all kind of goes together. Um, so that was really where I, you know, live music really started. But my first concert was actually Britney in 2001. Really? Yeah. Oh my, the Dream Within a Dream tour? Yeah. Oh, my God. What, what I'm like, you... I hear there's water falling on people, so we should probably go see that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember being at that concert in the opening. I remember it was just, it seemed really hot when the, the, oh, all the fire, fire was yeah. coming out. Yeah. Um, Which is still the best remix of Oops, I Did It Again. It's a crime. It's never been released. Yeah, okay. So I was going to ask that. So... Nick, how do we ask the music gods? Like, how do we, add, like, what change.org? How do we, because that, that mix is so good. And I think even going back, I think a lot of us have gone back to watch some of the old Britney performances. Yeah. It still holds up. Yeah. I can't say that for, like, the baby remix in the same one. No, but, yeah. But the Oops <laughs> one is so good. Um, do you think that's something where that's never going to be released just because it was specifically, like, a a tour version of it? You know, I don't know. I think um, one of the choreographers has it. I know Wade Robson did it. So he's got his own issues at this moment. Wade Robson, find me at Twitter, <laughs> at James Rodriguez. Um, but, you know, I, I believe he's the one who actually produced it. So if he, you know, if he wants to put that out there, I'll gladly accept that in my inbox. There you go. Um, <laughs> I think most of us would. 100%. But I, I think that that might be the only way is if, if he gets it out there. Or if Brittany is like, hey, this remix was great from 20 years ago. Let's put it out. Which she's the queen of random, so we might end up getting <laughs> At this that. point, yeah, I, I've noticed. I, I love it. I love Instagram it. Instagram so, is great. Oh, 100%. So let me ask you this then. When going to the Dream Within a Dream tour, what what songs did you know? Like, at that point, how far into the tour was it? Was it just you knew, you know, Slave for You? Or did you know Not a Girl and Anticipating and things like that? Do you recall? Um, I knew all of them because I, I, I had the album. Um, my, the song that really made me like catch on to Britney as an artist performer was actually crazy. It wasn't even Baby One More Time. Really? Yeah. Um, and the music video, I mean, the music video was cool. The whole aesthetic of it all. And the, the remix was 
great. So when I got the album, I'm like, oh, it's not what I was looking for. But um, whatever, we got the single and all that. But, I know that's the disappointing thing with we here in America, you would buy the album and it would be the album version. And then you couldn't buy like the CD, the, the US CD single. Right. It was always like the remix on something else. Because um, that stop remix, I think that's where I really realized how much a remix can elevate a song. Yeah. Um, so what was it about Crazy, though, the, the remix, specifically that? Um, the intro, you know, that, that piano sample that, that Max put in there. And then just the, the beat was straightforward. If you listen to it, it's really not a special beat of any kind. You know, mm-hmm. it's just kind of there. And it's just that the way that piano's hitting hitting those notes and it just drives the energy along. And with Max being, I think he was in like a, a funk metal band or something i'm like that energy comes through so i you know you you feel that it just kind of drew me in well and that's one of those things where i think uh i i interviewed jonas from ace of bass and he talked about you know max martin pretty much demoed everything he's ever done and he's like somebody needs to release that because it's so good and you could hear the influence on oh yeah of the final song from from max martin so let me ask you was there a song or a performance that made you appreciate a song more? Seeing her first time, was there anything that you were like, oh, this kind of adds to it? Because I feel like in the in the, the legacy of like Michael Jackson where so many of us can look and go, the song was good, but then that visual just added that extra yeah. oomph on it. Um, I don't know. As simple as the live performances were for Oops, I Did It Again, I think that's one where the live, anytime it was done live, especially when she sang it live on mm-hmm. SNL, I was like, that's cool. Feel, you know, the band's there behind it. You know, Max's production is great, but when you get the, a live band behind that and then sing just... The choreography was really cool with it and the way they were able to just kind of scale it up to a huge stage or scale it down small, for, like on SNL, was, and then when they did the remix for the VMAs, that it was just cool. And that's one of those things where it's, I think a lot of people, when they look at Oops! the album, they're like, oh yeah, there was Oops! but then they go to Stronger or Lucky or something... Oops was a very... I remember a lot of people were like, oh, it shouldn't have been the first single. I thought it was a great way to continue to continue her, her tracks yeah. and stuff like that. So then let me ask you this. What was the first song of Britney's that you remixed? And then also, what was the first song you ever remixed? Ooh, the first one of Britney that I remixed. Well, it's hard to remember now. It's been a while. See? Don't be so prolific um, and you won't have this problem. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I, I started, so I mean, I really started messing around with music when I was like 12. They was just kind of doing re-edits. I would just take what was there and kind of move it around and see what happened. And then um, I recreated some of the Onyx Hotel remixes. Are they out there? Somewhere in the world. I have them like burned to a CD from 2004 or whatever Stop, it was. Stop, break yeah. that CD out. They're somewhere. Yeah, they're somewhere. I, I think I transferred them to my hard drive couple years ago um so those were that was like the first foray into like the audio editing world but the first remix i can't might have been womanizer might have been the first remix how full-on remix that i did how quickly after it was released did you do it i did that right away really yeah so did you get probably the first week did you get the acapellas or did you have to create the acapellas i made it i just inverted the instrumental over the main one and Got those vocals for myself. <laughs> that was the, so many of the listeners are like, how do people get it so quickly? Because eventually, sometimes like DJs will put up an instrumental version or this and that. Um, but we've learned with other producers that they've just said, you know what, this is what's happened. When a song comes out, I have to create, I have to 
add up the instruments and sounds and then take them all out and yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, how was it when you got to hear your final version of stripping it down to just the acapella, hearing her voice just plainly like that? Um, I was kind of used to it because I was doing that for a while before when I was just re-editing stuff. Um, there were a lot of songs around then that, that just, it was cool to find out that they inverted and you're like, oh, cool. Like there's Justin Timberlake's vocals. There's this person's vocals. Um, so I was used to like, oh, wow, that's cool how that sounds just on its own. So for, by that time for me, it was just kind of the, the luster of having a vocal was over was kind of like, just get to work. <laughs> I got to start something, just you know? Yeah. Well, and that's a huge part because I think that people don't realize even you taking the time to strip it down to the acapella, then you still have to create your own production of it. Yeah. And I think people don't understand that there's like a art, there's a science behind it that you can't just add a guitar and just be like, that sounds cool. It's like there's such a thing as keys and pitches yeah. and things like that. So then let me ask you this. Going through, because we're going to talk about a, a song that you were gracious enough to play me, which I really think... I might say this is one of my favorite remixes that you've done. You saw my face. You it's, saw my face. It's one of it. mine now, apparently. Um, I did lie, though. I did lie. It was, wasn't Womanizer. It was Give Me More. Um, everyone, this interview has ended. Nick <laughs> it's doesn't over. know what he's doing. I'm a complete he's, fraud he's start, at this it's, point. It's, he's a fraud. <laughs> it's fine. Um, apparently, I forgot about Blackout. <laughs> I was blacked out <laughs> on the album. during Blackout. <laughs> but Give Me More was my first Britney Give remix. Me more. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. There was a lot writing on that. Um do you think now looking back at that the we always think of like the vma situation you know what i mean for whatever it is yeah i always say i'm no britney apologist or anything but i always think i look at it and i just go wait but the performance wasn't britney performing the way britney performed that night was still much better than many other people that i've seen perform you know what i mean like yeah it was not a good night whatever for her but I thought the song, if the song was terrible, I think that the Blackout Legacy would have never existed. I feel like that song was so good yeah. that she was at least able to ride that high. Yeah. You know, and a lot of, exactly. people, a lot of people are like, oh, it was because of the VMAs. That's why they did it. I'm like, but if it was a terrible song, we would have eaten it up and just gone on to the next one. Yeah. So how is it like with Gimme More? Because that was such a dark song. And having that It's Britney bit, like all this stuff. How did that feel though, working with... Her voice, because it definitely was more, there was a different texture to her voice. Yeah. And so you were able to hear more of that than the rest of us were, especially so quickly. How was it to hear that? Yeah, well, what really put me on my ass with that one was um, they sped up the song, so it's not in a key. Um, And me being a graphic designer and not really being a musician, I was like, what's happening? I have no idea what to do. So I did a deep dive and I'm like, oh, well, there's... They, they speed songs up sometimes. So I had to figure that all out. Um, that's really what I remember the most is having to figure that out. You know, there's many people that are going to be going to listen to Gimme More after this and going, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. I, I didn't like the original. I didn't know exactly what the original BPM was. I just figured out how high I had to shift all my instruments and everything um, until I got the actual multi-track. And I'm like, oh, it's 111 beats per minute, not 113.4 or something, whatever it is. <laughs> That makes more sense. Absolutely. So then, what is it about Britney? Because you've done a lot of Britney remixes. What is it about yeah. Britney, the music, that keeps bringing you back? Uh, I think she has a good ear for, for good songs. I mean, that's really what it is. I'm, you know, uh, we talked earlier that I'm, I'm really not, I'm not a huge 
personal fan of Britney. I mean, I don't really know much about her outside mm-hmm. of music. Um, but the song choices she's always made, you know, everything between Baby One More Time and In The Zone, like there's just, I'm sure there's corporations involved in yep. who gets to who gets to do what. But as you go along those albums and you learn what she wrote, what she chose, um, she just, she has a good ear and it's, you know, it kind of, I'm, I'm drawn to that people who notice quality and, and can figure out a good melody and all that. It just, it, and she has a good stage presence. So it just kind of all worked together for me. It was kind of the next, uh, I hate saying it, like the next Michael Jackson in my brain. Mm-hmm. Not that yeah, she's yeah. the next Michael Jackson, no, you know, but, you yep. um, in my brain, like, oh, there's somebody comparable who I can latch my interest onto. Well, and what's, what's been great is that, you know, Britney Spears has carried on the legacy of an all-around performer like Michael Jackson yeah. was, where he gave you the visuals, he gave you the performance, he gave you the music. And I think that the the sad part is I think sometimes when people become so popular, I think people want to think that their music is too easy. That's why the masses like it. Yeah. And there's a lot of different and, as Britney would say, interesting things in her music, like different things that they tried out. And so... I think what I've loved is talking to all these other songwriters and producers that many of them, Michael Jackson has always been an influence on them. So, like, Michael Jackson has been an influence on you, and here you are working with, you know, everyone still calls the princess of pop. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're fortunate enough to still have music from her that is current. Like, she's still alive. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, to see where she's going, because I think people need to realize, you know, she's a 40-year-old woman now. She's been doing this since she was a teenager. Yeah. And people grow during that time. But the biggest thing, too, is technology and music has grown so much. From cassette tapes to CDs to digital and streaming and things like that. How do you approach that differently from Give Me More to the... to the? I'm not going to say the name of the song yet that, that we're talking <laughs> about. Um, how do you... How have you changed? Because technology's changed so much, and how do you keep up with that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's actually been pretty steady in the way I approach it all. Um, because even back then, it was nobody was working with tapes anymore. It was still it was just straight to hard drive. Mm-hmm. So it's still that way. I mean, the way I've really grown is more learning specifics of like what this synth was used for back in 1983 or. You know, who's using this drum sound? What do, you know, if I change the key of some, or, you know, if I create something in a minor instead of a major and, and flip it around that way, that's more of where I've I've grown and explored more rather mm-hmm. than the technological standpoint, aside from getting a new computer and all that stuff and, <laughs> you know, the normal things, the normal upgrades. But yep. I don't, I, I try to keep it as simple as possible when I'm, when I'm making something. I don't try to rely on too many tricks you know, I try to look at it as if I'm, I need to be able to, to do it. Me as a graphic designer who can't really play a piano or I can't play guitar, I can't play bass. I can, I peck around on the MIDI controller and I figure it out. It works. You know, and I, of course I can go on the computer and fix it later. My brother does music, so I used to rely on him a lot to be like, <laughs> am I doing this right? Um, You're like, what is a chord? <laughs> yeah. And you know, and then you just, you know, I'm. I do weird deep dives into music theory at some point. I'm like, I don't need to know this, but I'm reading it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've just picked up a lot of actual, you know, musical things like that rather than technology. Oh, I love that. And what I want to do is, because there's a question actually in here. So for those who are first-time listeners, 
on the Original Doll Podcast. For every question a guest answers, we get items donated to charity. We work with homeless LGBT youths, we work with women and children in domestic abuse shelters, and so much more. So we give them new clothing, we give them hygiene products, food, water, things like that to help them during this time. So what I'm going to do is I had put up a story uh, the other day asking people, remixed by Nick, if you know him, what would you ask him if you got to ask him this? And of course, there was a ton of people who had reached out. And so I tried making it, many people, a lot of them had the same questions, so I kind of condensed it. Uh, but I wanted to give them, you know, a shout out and where they were from, ask their name and where they're from. Because sometimes it's hard to see what their usernames are when they're like, blessed girl, five, four, a, a, you know, square, square, circle, square, whatever it is. It's not that descriptive. So, no, yeah. no. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, it's difficult. All right. So one of the questions we already answered, how did, you know, music become a part of yours? Now, um, this, these questions, we're going to go into after the end of this questions, we're going to talk about the specific song that you worked with. But you can answer right now because somebody said, what is his next Britney remix? My prerogative remix is everything. That's from Rachel from Yonkers, New York. Oh, Rachel. I can answer that question. Um, the next remix is Me Against the Music. Yes. And it's as good as you think it is. It, I, it was hard because um, the first one that I did back in 2013 was it's still pretty popular. And I'm really proud of that one. Um, I might be no more, pressure, Taylor. I might be more proud of this one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, me gets the music, Taylor's version. <laughs> I love it. Me gets the music, music version. Yeah. Uh, which remix was the hardest to get right? Masha from Moscow. Ooh, the hardest to get right. Mm-hmm. There's been a few. Um, a lot. The hardest ones are tend to be the Michael Jackson ones. And why is that? Because he's my favorite, and Fair. I tend to base what I do for other people on him. So like with Get Back, when I remix that, you know, mm-hmm. 15 people are like, oh, it sounds like Michael, Michael Jackson's song. I'm like, well, yeah, that yeah. would make sense. That you know, tracks. <laughs> where I'm coming from with a lot of it. Um, so I'd say most of his, Smooth Criminal is probably the hardest song that I've remixed. Really? Overall. Yeah, it's, it's hard. You can even play the original bass line with different instruments, and it sounds weird. I don't know what... Uh, the, I mean, the song went through a lot of evolutions. It's a story for a different day. Um, but whatever they, whatever magical dust they threw on that song, it works as it is, and it's, it's hard to get a remix out of that. Ooh. Um, Britney, so, I would say, a hard one for Britney. Baby, feel it burn. Hopping out quickly to remind you to follow me on Instagram, the.original.doll. And make sure you visit the website, www.theoriginaldoll.com. I have a Patreon page set up so that if you want to support, donate, sponsor to the podcast to keep it alive and free for all, go ahead and message me and add me on there. Uh, But before we go any further, I want to once again remind you that for all of these great guests that we have, they're on here because they're wanting to talk about, you know, the projects. They want to talk about art and music. And they also know by coming on the Original Doll podcast with James Rodriguez Horton that they're helping out those in need. Over the past few weeks, I've been sharing photos on Instagram with some of the great donations that we've received and distributed. We have a lot coming up, especially over the winter months, with the ways that we're helping out some homeless LGBT plus teens. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. Follow me, the.original.doll. Back to the show. Brittany, I would say a hard one for Brittany, is outrageous. Yeah. And I the, so the remix from the 80s EP that I did this summer... Um, that 
kind of came out of nowhere. That's kind of that was in in the works since like 2015. Oh wow! I, randomly, I would pick it up. I originally based it off of um, my Janet Jackson remix for "You Ain't Right." Which is cool. I'm like, oh, it's cool. It's got an edge to it. I'm like, that could kind of work for Outrageous. So I started with it and it just didn't, it wasn't working. I kept coming back to it and then I tried something else in 2017. I got, I got the files labeled, so that's why I know. Um, 2017, I tried doing something kind of similar to what I did with Break the Ice around that time. Ooh. And then that didn't really work out. <laughs> You're like, nope. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, I tried something with, um, I started using the drum samples that, that, um, from the Elisis HR-16, which is what Teddy Riley used so, for my prerogative. I was going to say, like, New Jack Swing yeah, sound. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, oh, shit, this is cool. Mm-hmm. So I just started, like, messing around, like, seeing what some of the sounds were. And then I got I uh, I got the plug-in for the Castillo CZ-01 or whatever from Arturia. I'm like, oh, this bass sound is phenomenal. Like, it's clicky, deep. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, this might be something. So I just started playing around with it and then that's where the new remix came from. But it's, it took six years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> all in good time. All in due time. Yeah. I love it. All right. Now, next one is, and it actually ties into what you were saying. What needs to be added into a song to give it that 80s sound? EP of his is the best I ever heard. That's from Liz from Copenhagen. Ooh. It really, it's, it's, it's about the sounds. You can, you got to know what, if you're going for a specific part of the 80s you know if you're going for 1981 you know you, you can look back and see well what synthesizers were used what mm. drum machines were being used so you can really narrow it down and be like all right i'm limited to this and that's what i started learning is the more i can limit myself to what i can use the better the remixes started turning out mm-hmm. um so really to get that sound it's figuring out what your limitations were based on the year the 80s you want to go for you know, if I want to go for 1989 versus 1981, there's a lot more options in mm-hmm. 1989. Like you, at that point, you were actually sampling from records and you had all kinds of different drum machines to use. You, I mean, at that point, there was like, there was the MPC 60 where you could, it had so many different sounds. You could load in your own. People were chopping up their own samples. And then, you know, you were sampling vocals and turning vocals into their own instruments at that point. So there's, you know, it's a lot more stressful to make a 1989 remix versus something from 1981 or 1982. Because you're like, this is what they have. This is it. Right. You have I'm option like, A. I can use that's a Lindrum or I can use the Oberheim DMX. And that's my, those are my drums. And I'm stuck with it. So, you know? Th- that's something that's so... I think what, what's important for the listeners not to you know, gloss over is if you're making an authentically 80s sounding song or you want that 80s vibe... You're not using instrumentation or things that were created in the past five years. Right. Because even if you can try to replicate it, there's still the rawness, the grittiness mm-hmm. of the original things. In an episode with Josh Schwartz, we talked about when he was creating Don't Hang Up for Britney. He was like, yeah, we went to go get this old vocorder and we wanted this specific sound. She wanted this alt print sound. Yeah. She wanted this like weird, you know, vocal thing to happen. He goes, so we just went to, you know, an old antique music shop and we're like, this is what we're going to get. This is what we're going to get. And it's so funny to think here is, you know, Britney Spears, the height of the Britney Spears recording, you know, legacy. And they're using equipment that like they bought at like a a garage sale for music. Probably from the 70s. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, it's stuff like that. So, So now we know. So now let me ask you this. 
So Jen from East London said, uh, well, how do you feel about people leaking studio vocal stuff that isn't supposed to be out? How do you feel about remixing that? Um, I, I personally find it annoying when it leaks publicly online. I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with people having it. I'm mm-hmm. not selfish in that sense. Of course, I would like to be first to remix it. <laughs> Once again, Wade Robson reached out yeah, to Nick. Yeah, I mean, it is a popularity contest at the end of the day, but uh, you know, I don't have a problem with people having it. I think it's, I think it's rude to the artist to have raw multi tracks put online for everyone to get. As cool as as cool as it is to hear it for yourself and all that, I think bit, I think it being freely available online is kind of it's kind of a slap in the face to the artist you claim to love so much. Fair. And I think that's I think that's something that's I've had a lot of people say, hey, you should ask this person to remix this song or the dry vocals were released of X, Y and Z. And it's like, you know, the hard part is I look and I go as a fan. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool and interesting to hear. But also I wouldn't want somebody hearing me trying to, you know, clear my throat on on the podcast or, (laughs) you know, stuff like that, where it's like that you there's a safe space in the studio for a reason. And I feel like sometimes it's a violation of that when people put some of that stuff out there. Yeah, yeah. You know, you work hard to get a final product out there, and it's, it, it takes a lot of work. You know, people think because it's all computers now and, it, and it's easy, you press buttons. It's, it's not. Making a song is still making a song. Um, so it, to hear, like, go through every take and be like, oh, they burped here. Or, you know, oh, they didn't hit the note. And then that's on, you know, there's like four million views because somebody fucked up a note somewhere. Yep. You know, so it's just kind of... And and that's the part where it's like, I think that I remember when a bunch of like Britney stuff, studio stuff, whether it was Break the Ice where she's chewing ice or, you know, or yeah. just whatever, whatever yeah. it is, is that I remember thinking like, this only gives material for those who want to act as though Britney Spears doesn't know how to sing or anything. Yeah. You could have Mariah Carey, Michael Jackson, Celine Dion, Adele, you could have all these people just warming up and it doesn't sound perfect and that's why they're in a recording studio right you know they could be tired they could be this and that and i feel like people think that they're honoring the legacy by going oh we're gonna put this you know rare clip of you know britney spears not hitting this note it's like that's not that's not good a singer knows when they don't hit that note and the look on their face is not one that they want people to hear because they hear it too so i think that that's the part the other thing too is it's like it's not our artwork you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not that. Um, I do like. I do, of course, like when people can make their own remixes and things like that for for final studio things. Um, it just it sucks overall because I look at it and go, I feel like in the Britney situations, a lot of those get used to make fun of her and to not honor her. And I yeah, think that's I, the difference. I would say, yeah, I would say so. That seems to track. Yeah, <laughs> that, that tracks. All if right. we're going to be punny so, around here. Well played, well played. Um, so uh, Keith from Chicago wants to know, because we were just talking about remixes. Uh, local. What do you think is the best remix that anyone has ever made of Britney? Ooh. And please don't throw in my future remix coming yeah. out. I mean, aside from myself, <laughs> um, the I would go back to the Stop Remix of Crazy. That's probably the best remix, because I think that... That took the song to new heights. You know, it really worked. So I, I would go back to that. Otherwise, that Wade Robson remix of Oops, I Did It Again. So good. I'll, I'll keep saying it until so somebody good. hears it and then sends it Put to Put it out into the universe. Put yeah. it out to the universe. Yeah, it's got to be out there. Oops, did you say it again? Yes, you did. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, well, and I think the, the 
interesting thing is we all have so many different every listener whether they're Britney fans because I have a lot of listeners that aren't you know specifically fans of Britney Spears music yeah. they just might not know it but I think there were several people who reached out to me and said I assumed like when Mariah Carey was making like a Heartbreaker remix that everyone when they do a remix all the vocals are completely changed and yeah. done I said no that's the exception that's definitely not the rule because <laughs> yeah. um, like with Crazy yes because there are different lyrics and things like that but um, Boys or something like that you know sometimes it's like it's just adding something yeah. something else to yeah, it. Just um, swapping out. And I feel like the bigger the artist is, the harder it is to get them back into the studio to re-record the vocals on yeah. you know, something that's that's already been signed and sealed. Because it also costs money. That's the other thing. Yeah. We talked with uh, Davidson Ospina and a few other people where they were like, you know, you were given here's a check, here's the dat tapes or whatever it was at yeah. the time make it work and then you know people need to realize that the a lot of times the artists themselves are ultimately paying for these like official remixes and stuff so then going hey we have to get a studio time to get this person in there that's a lot of money and are they going to make that money back that's yeah it's a a lot of extra work and money um you know what to go back to michael jackson because of course for me everything goes back to there fair when they recorded the bad album all the songs were recorded like seven, eight minutes long. And they they recorded extra vocals so they could use them in the remixes. And, you know, it'd be cool if more people did that now. That'd be, you know, that, it would help people like me out. Well, I was going to say, because as I recall, there were, was it the Liar remix? There was something where, like, you were, it was, like, at some extra things and there was, like, oh, what, what is this? Because you get so used to hearing what the finished version is. And yeah. there was a time in the early 2000s and Britney Spears music was a victim of this in my opinion where they would just use some of the same producers and it's just like we're taking it we're just going to speed up her vocals and just add a beat. Yeah. There was nothing else there was nothing else to it. So when I started hearing remixes where there was those added things and it doesn't even have to be a new part she sings it could have been something that they had cut from the initial one. Right. Right. Um so and we're going to talk about some more of your remixes too. Uh here is Tawny from Cape Town. I like his Mood Ring remix. And then what remix did he never finish? Oh, I got a lot. <laughs> there are a lot that are not finished. Um, there's a lot of bad ones. You got to learn how to edit out what what gets out into the world. Because I would assume sometimes you go, I have an idea, and it just doesn't work. Oh, you yeah. You can't like make the muse cry. Yeah. There's a point where you just have to put it away. Yeah, there, there's plenty. There's times where I spent like a day or two, and I'm like, I'll, I'll sit there. I'm like, I, I'm going to get this. And then I'm like, I'm not going to get this. And I just leave it. Um, but right now, there's some that are unfinished that are good that will be finished. Like there, I have a, a ballad version of Make Me that I had started doing. Um, there's another one of a song that I don't want to mention, but I'll say it's early. It was intended for one album and it ended up on another. Oh, God. I know what it is. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really nice. If I could play if I could play an instrument properly, it would have been released already, but I got to figure out how to work around that. The kazoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a trumpet. It's French horn. The flugelhorn. <laughs> Um, drums. drums. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to play the drum. Yeah, there, there's a few. There's actually a funny story about my They Don't Care About Us remix. Um, that started as a Jennifer Lopez remix for, uh, what was that song? Poppy? I Love You Poppy yeah. or whatever? Written by, written by Megan Trainer, I believe. Weird, you know, weird song. And uh, my friend Lucas got the, 
the vocals to it. And he's like, oh, do you want to remix this? I'm like, sure, why not? Figured, what the hell? So I started it and I gave it, started giving it like this really cool edge, like the heavy beat, real gritty bass sound. And I'm like, this is weird. What am I doing with this song? I'm like, I'm never going to do anything with this song. So then I'm like, I know what I could do with this song. I pulled up the vocals for They Don't, they don't care, care About Us. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, it's Seriously. it's a full thing. Yeah. I, I got to find it. I'll send it to you so you can, you can hear it. Maybe yes. the world will hear that someday. But yes. it's very weird how it went from Jennifer Lopez to Michael Jackson. Oh my goodness. That's, that's one of those things. It's like sometimes the song takes you in a way that you didn't initially think it was going to. And I oh, think yeah. that ha- probably happens more times than not. Yeah. A lot of times I'll have an idea. I'm like, oh, I'm going to make it. You know, this is my inspiration, and then it just doesn't work out that way at all. I'll hear a snare sound, I'm like, oh shit, the snare is cool, and then it turns into something else. That's well, I was gonna say because I've had different people, different guests that have asked, and I said, oh, do you remember the first song you worked on? Yes. Did you love it at the time? I did. <laughs> I thought I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And it was like, or some of them would talk about like, oh, I heard this really great, you know, eight oh eight sound. I wanted to use it specifically this way. And I kept forcing it, and then it just was a mess. And that's the other thing, trying to, like, force, you know, force that. Yeah, it, for me, like, a lot of people love the 808 drum machine, and I've used it on the, on uh, what do you call it? Swimming in the Stars. I use it on the Redux version of that. And I've used it on my Thriller remix, but I'm not, I'm not one who's like, oh, I can use it for anything, and it's my favorite. Me, I'm like, I, as far as drum machines, you could give me a Lindrum all day long, the Oberheim DMX, <laughs> or, like, the Roland 707, which I... Use on the new remix that mm-hmm. that you'll hear. I you know I I became a big fan of that, and it's, there's some other really random ones that um, for my my Justin Bieber Bieber remix for Ghost, I used um, what the hell was it, the Kawaii 50 or something like that. It had a really weird snare sound, really random drum machine. I was going to say that's random, but it worked. You know, like it sounded awesome. really good. So like I I I like finding really weird sounds that that I can fit in. Well, and it also separates your work from somebody else. Yeah. Because I think that there's a tendency to, I love when just people create. Creating is great. And not everything you create is going to be completed. Not everything you create you're going to love that day. Maybe it takes some time. But I also think that there are, and I know people that have talked about, they're like, oh, when I started out, I just got a starter pack with these things. Yeah. Then everyone is using the same things. I've tried that. I've tried, you know, people, oh, there's this MIDI pack. And I'm like... I can't work with templates. As a graphic designer, you know, people are like, oh, you start with a website template. I'm like, I can't I can't work off somebody else's work. I mm-hmm. have to start completely from scratch. Yep. So for me, it's just, it's harder, you know, I guess, but. But it's got to be more rewarding and more, you have that freedom where you're not stuck into that yeah. template. You know what yeah. I mean? All totally. right. So next one is, what song of Britney's can't he do because it's too hard and why? Nick, good swimming and it was so good. Pedro from Brazil. It was almost I'm a slave for you. Really? Yeah. It was almost that one. It was almost that. Um, That's one of the few Britney songs where she's the vocals on like everything. Yeah. And it started, I originally had my friend Louie do some guitar for me. And I was going to base it around the drum beat from, uh, that they based it off of. The song that's in the strip club in Beverly Hills Cop. I can't think of it. Vanity Six. Nasty Boy. Or Nasty Girl. Whatever it is. Um. I was going to use that exact beat, the Lindrum machine and everything. It just didn't work. It was not, I'm like, the original is too good. Whatever Pharrell and Chad Hugo, Hugo did, it works. Mm-hmm. And then I, however, it became a, the slower thing that I ended up coming out with. But that was, 
that was the hardest one. And the one that I probably, the one that I almost can't do is the one that it's, that's kind of partially finished that I need to learn how to play an instrument for. So that'll be to be determined, to be announced until <laughs> yeah. later time. Yeah. For Britney, I've always figured out a way to make the song work. Mm-hmm. There's none that I've, that I haven't gotten a remix out of. Mm-hmm. There's some that are unfinished that are not good, but I've always managed at least one. Well, and that was something too where um, we're going to go into another question that we have in a second. But I think many people, you know, want to know, hey, why aren't you remixing this demo or that sort of thing? So for the people yeah. that are wondering, you stick a lot with just the like the official song that yeah. ever. I I would say most that for I the know most part. Years. Um, why that specifically versus like random demos that are. Uh, mostly because I don't like them. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, no, really, I just look at it as like, I mean, most demos leak as MP3. They're not the highest quality, and then you got to try and fil- filter out the vocals from that shitty MP3. Mm-hmm. Um, and most of the times, you know, it's, just, it's not a finished song. So trying to work with a vocal that's kind of sung weirdly here and there where they're trying out different stuff, it just doesn't really, doesn't well, do anything for me. And there are those people that can take the audio vocal recordings and throw it on some other track that they're like, well, this was an inspiration to make it sound really great because they're taking a high quality instrumental and adding vocals on there, which right. that's not the original. Right. That's not the original song. Cause I think people think, Oh, it's gotta be a demo or it's this and that. I'm like, no, these, de- a demo is not something that you perfectly hear in HQ and all this sort of thing. Like, <laughs> right. A demo can be very rough. A hundred. There, there, <laughs> very there are rough. demos that played for me from the people that I've interviewed on here. It was like, you hear like not even a tape recording, but it's like, and then you hear like, yeah, <laughs> it's never fully polished. So a lot of the songwriters and producers are always like, if you hear something that sounds super polished as a demo for mine, there was another party that created that. Yeah. Cause demos don't, demos don't leak high quality. Like no. somebody creates that high quality sound. Um, and you've worked enough with industry and people around that. You're like, <laughs> this is all, this is all true. Um, okay. Ready? The next question is, his Michael Jackson stuff is so good. Has he worked with a record company to release anything? That's from Kidder from Trinidad. No, I'm waiting for their phone call. Once again, hit him up in his DMs. I'm, uh, you know, they're they're great at releasing a calendar every year for Michael Jackson. Not so much <laughs> no. at releasing interesting musical choices. Because <laughs> uh, Michael Jackson was not for being the calendar king. <laughs> apparently, you know, that's the most exciting thing that they announced. Or they, they did a oh, light up. A light up box of like the This Is It compilation album. It was like four hundred dollars or something like that. I'm like, I have not to toot my own horn, which I'm here for, but <laughs> myself and a few of my friends are quite adept at making nice Michael Jackson remixes. It would be nice if we got some a little some recognition for that. Fair, fair. Well, and that's <laughs> I look I looked at um your YouTube stuff and everything, and I feel like your top five their top five and there's a huge gap then it goes into like the Britney ones they're all Michael Jackson yeah. and they're by a lot yeah and I think that's interesting because it's like of course there's always the love of Michael Jackson but also then people get hit with a bunch of just terrible remixes they try to make their own edits or whatever clearly you're doing something right that it keeps coming back that yeah. people keep coming back that you get more and more um, what do you think if for the listeners who don't know your YouTube remixed by Nick, what's the Michael Jackson song that you know, you know, hey everyone, take a listen to this one. Like if you're gonna if you're only gonna listen to one of mine, 
doesn't have to be your favorite or anything, yeah. but what would that one be? Um, if you're going to go based off of full reproduction that I did, I would say They Don't Care About Us. Beat that's, me, hate me. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, especially since it came from a Jennifer Lopez track. Um, <laughs> As all great <laughs> the songs. Weirdest, yeah, the weirdest thing. Um, but if you're looking for like what, what I would do with the original parts to a song, Off the Wall, the redux that I did for that is... I still get a lot of messages for that. They're like, I just found this. This is amazing. I love how you switched up the sound. And it's just... It, that was actually the first... No, the second multi-track that I got for Michael Jackson. So I kind of have a special... It holds a special place for me. Um, so I had a lot of fun working on that because there were a lot of unused parts that I got to play around with. Ooh, I love hearing that. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Next question is, it's from Miguel from Peru. He says, do you get mad that people make CDs and sell them of your music? I bought your remix EP from a Peru Britney site and it was so good, but cost a lot. 101 soul, which is about 25 American dollars. I'd look that part up. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish I got $25 for you know <laughs> each download that I got, but I would suggest to never buy anything of mine put on CD unless I'm saying like, hey, this person did a special print. Mm-hmm. Go buy it. You know, there's, there's, uh, I have a, a friend who has done a few things like that for me and that's cool. Like I gave him the artwork. I gave him the music, you know, go ahead, do your thing with it. And uh, he's not making a profit off of it. So that's, you know, that's cool. Um, but otherwise, download it for free. I was going to say, cause <laughs> it's like for those people that try to download like a YouTube rip, that's not even a high quality to put no, on a CD. No, and I, I used to have the download links in the YouTube description until the bots uh, yeah. took down the mega account. So I have a new account, but the way for people to download now is sign up for the email list on my website. And as soon as they sign up, they'll get a link. And what's the website? Remixes. Remixedbynick.com. Oh, you are consistent. Oh, I mean, that's what it, that's what, branding, that's what I do. (laughs) Mine is, everyone's like, I went to Original Doll on Twitter. I'm like, you're going to have to go to add James Rodriguez. I'm the.original.doll on Instagram. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. The consistency is key. You know, you you can't really fake Remixed by Nick. Fair, fair. You can't switch that around too much. Now everyone's going to go, wow, Remixed by the Original Doll podcast. All these remixes came out. You can do it. (laughs) I mean, people have stolen worse from me. (laughs) <laughs> I love it. All right, here we go. The next question is for Eric from another local from Chicago. What artist would you like to remix if you could get all the track stuff? Right now, definitely Kylie Minogue. Ooh. Because of the remix that you're going to hear, I did a deep dive on the um, on the guys from the from PWL. And for those who so, don't know, for those who don't know who that is, oh, they are. So they're the big production team who did like Never Gonna Give You Up. All of Kylie Minogue's early hits, uh, they Dead s- or Alive. It, they set the map for what is Kylie, not like the legacy of Kylie. Yeah, kind of like all dance music in a yeah. sense. Because it changed. And the, the thing is, and we've mentioned Kylie Minogue before. I've been, I've been able to interview several of her songwriters and producers. And we in the U.S., it's, she, she's very niche here. But worldwide, she's a big star. She's yeah. her own caliber of artist. And I mean, she just had another huge hit, you know, she re-released um, the disco album and stuff like that. And I think that people forget, and that's why I love on the original Dial podcast, being able to say, there's people behind the scenes. We can give her all the credit and all that she definitely has deserved. There yeah. is a whole village behind that is that is creating this and collaborating with yeah. her. Uh, and so that's why whenever we mention any names, I want people to like know who we're talking about. Yeah, and those PWL guys were, I mean... There's some cool stories, like how they worked and what they did and the equipment they used. And 
in, it, it, they it, just knew what to do. And that was the thing. <laughs> it was like, it seemed so effortless for them to do. And they, it wasn't like they had billions of dollars and right. huge studios to create all this in. Yeah. And working against what every sound was happening during that time. That's the other thing, too, is you can create a song right now. I'm like, oh, it works well because these other songs right now sound it. But then that sound becomes dated really quickly. Yeah. And I think that's why we always... Um, I talked to people about the roller coaster ride of Britney and pop stars early on, where they were like, hit him with the upbeat, then hit him with the ballad, hit him with the upbeat, yeah. then hit him with the, you know, it's like you went from like baby to sometimes to crazy to from the bottom. Like, you always needed that, but I think it's much harder to separate the trailblazers than not because we just assume this is always a part of it. We right. always assume Kylie did all this stuff and crazy, the amount of technical aspects that went into Kylie during that time during during a decade in which no one else was really doing anything comparable or at her level I should say and comparable so I like that here we go next question is Max from Miami and I hope this includes a plane ticket says <laughs> you going to DJ a party soon <laughs> question mark are you gonna DJ <laughs> I am not a DJ <laughs> at all but for a plane flight to Miami but first class but for a flight to Miami. <laughs> You can find me anywhere and I will play, pay you anything. Just play, play you anything. Um, as long as they're happy, I'm happy. I love it. Michael Jackson remixes are so good. What's next? KO from Japan. Ooh. Um, Britney's next. I have a little Backstreet Boys secret weapon coming out next. Um, I need to get some guitar done for that. So we'll see when that happens. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, what else? Britney. I don't have any Michael Jackson coming up. How many yet? I mean, how many releases do you do, do in a month? Like, um, I notice that I tend to release a lot in the summer, and yeah. then like maybe around this time, then I kind of get busy with work and just kind of go back into formulation mode. I get some ideas, throw them down, and then I'll start working again in like May, April. <laughs> you're like you're like a a bear or something. You go hibernate yeah. for like the winter months. Like come out, yeah. and it's like here I am, world. And yeah. then you just put it all out there. You got to take a little break and reset the brain. Also, you know, get paid for real work. So fair. fair. <laughs> Do you ever just uh, turn off music because you just need a like a palate cleanser? Yeah. Well, yes and no. A lot of times, what I'll do is I'll go for if I'm working on. Like if I'm working on a super pop song, I'll just take a break and throw in like newfound glory. And like and I I'm like, I gotta listen to something different. It's freaking me out. I can't listen to the same chorus over and over again. So that I'll do that a lot. Cause that's the thing. It's like I can only imagine I listen to the songs that I talk about with the the, the like how I listen to your song. There are times where it's like editing or having to listen to it. Sometimes I'm like I need a break from this song. So it's like I go to the, the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah. Because I do like having some ambiance, some something in the background. But it's funny because when I think about the songs that I play in that place, it's just like, well, that song wouldn't be... People would be like, oh, what were you listening to during like your every time episode? I'm like, Cranberry Zombie? Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Like, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, it was a live version. It was... Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I took a break, drove around, listened to Jacob Little Pill. You know, like, and then you're working on a song like Ooh La La or something, you know? completely opposite it's because i think you need that and so what i like is you also take that uh it's that that swedish production aspect where they still have to take time to live a life yeah to you know they're like we're taking this time off of course if you get inspired you're still inspired but you still need to live your life as a human being to have that ability to keep you know you still need to go outside to get that vitamin d yeah i mean oh 100 Um, you can't yeah no 
coronavirus sitting inside, you start to get a little weird. You know, you definitely have to I keep getting outdoors. I noticed that remixes got weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything got super weird. <laughs> but the COVID theme, I thought yeah. it was bizarre. Um, next one actually kind of goes along with what we were just talking about. How much will it cost to remix my song? That is Dante from the UK. Do you take commissions? Um, I have a couple times. I, the thing is, I don't really have a lot of time to dedicate to it as a job. And quite frankly, a lot of the stuff that I get is not good that people ask me to do. So I have to turn it down. Um, but I'm open to it. If he sends me a song and it's good and I like it, maybe we could work something out. To your point of when you listen to like Slave For You or these other songs, you can go, okay, I like that song, but I can't do anything to yeah. make it work. Yeah, there's there's even a few songs like I've attempted to remix that. I'm like, oh, the original is too good. Mm-hmm. Like, what am I going to do with Billie Jean? Now, any artist, has any artist ever contacted you? Rain On Me remix is great. That's from Mary from L.A. Ooh, that was a fun remix because that's when I first kind of really started going deep into, like, how do I really get a pure 80s sound? Not not the, like, what you what you hear now a lot is people, like, the 80s inspired sound. They're not, yeah. they're not doing, like, I'm making an actual 80s sound. So that's when I started working on, on that. Because um, there's definitely a distinction. There's a distinction between creating an 80s sound and just it's a nod to the right, 80s. It's right. Inspired by. And, you know, I've, I've kind of always done that in my remixes where I like all of it a nod to the 80s or 90s. Um, but actually getting a, a sound that's like, this is 1984. You know, something like that. That's, that's a lot harder. Um, Wait, what was her question again? Sorry, I, I <laughs> have spun out. Any, into a, have any artists? Oh, have they contacted? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She gave you That's why I was all, I was being showered in praise. <laughs> I was taking it all in, enjoying that moment. Um, has anybody contacted me? Yeah, any artist? No, no. Um, I'm horrible at self promotion. I'm not good at that. Um, I'm good at doing the work and the quality, making things look pretty and sound nice. But as far as getting myself out there, that's not my strong suit. Well, but I'm here now. I mean, there's a step. Well, what's what's been fun is with a lot of the songwriters, producers who have worked on like Britney projects, you know, I'll ask them, hey, have you ever heard this or that? Like, no, a lot of them are just like, love to hear it. Yeah. And there's one song and I can't tell you what it is because you know who it is. But I played it's on it's any just go to the Britney remix section of uh, remix by Nick and you'll just go through them. They're all worth it. But the one person said, you brought to life a part of the song that they totally didn't think people would get. Oh, interesting. So from that, you take it what you will, what you will. Because that's the other thing, too, is like, it's so cool to get that praise. But also it's, I think if the song was ever remixed by other people, maybe they just said, I don't comment on remixes because maybe the other remixes were not. Yeah. Well, I mean, my goal is always to, it's never to really try to top the original of what's, you know, what's there to kind of augment and complement it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go and try and be like, oh, I'm going to make it better. It's, you're really, you're usually not going to do something that great. Um, so it, it's nice when people are like, oh, I'm glad you, you pulled this part out and we could hear this or you did this with this part. Like that's, you know, that's the vibe of the song. You know, I try mm-hmm. to stick with what, what is the song? What is it? You know, I'm not going to take. I'm not necessarily going to take a ballad and turn it into some, some trance track just because, oh, the BPM works. Yep. You know, there's a lot of people who do that. And sometimes it works. Sometimes, a lot of times it doesn't, I would say. But, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, just getting, you got to feel the song. 
Talk a little bit about this because... So the goal for this one, I've been chasing that PWL sound for over the past year, just kind of like digging in here and there where I, where I could. Um, and this one kind of just all clicked together for me. So my, it was just kind of like, I, I had a random idea. I had no intention to remix me against music until one of the other remixes came on in a shuffle. I'm like, oh, this might actually work with, with this sound. So I, I had just gotten the, um, the Roland 707 drum machine plugin from Roland, like their actual authentic, Nice. Not the actual machine, the software Still, version. Yeah. The 707 and the 727, which if, you know, for any Madonna fan, that's the Like a Prayer remix that Chet Pettymon did. That's, those, those are the drums. And most other remixes from the 80s. But anyway, I got those. Right now um, the people are like, get to the, what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, so I started working with those, a few other random drum machine things. Um, and I just, I kind of came up with a little bit of a beat. And I pulled up the Yamaha DX7 for that real crispy digital bass sound. And I didn't intend the the bass to really be as it is at first. It just kind of, it's, me against music is in the same key as Circus. So my first remix of Circus is like this really cool bouncy bass line. I'm like, oh, it might be kind of cool if I try that out. So I started with that, with that bass patch from the DX7. And it just kind of took off from that point where it's like, oh, it's, it's cool. I didn't keep it the same baseline as Circus. I tweaked it. Um, that was just my little template that I worked from. Um, and it just kind of took off from there. I'm like, all right, what, what keys am I going to use? And I just started throwing stuff in. And it all kind of came together naturally. I, I don't have much of an explanation to it other than things kind of started falling in place. You know, once the, the beat was there with the baseline, it was just basing everything else around that. I did a little... Um, I sampled the vocal for one of the, well, I sampled the vocal a couple times for the main breakdown. I chopped up like the, the breaths and some of the little vocal ticks. So cool. It's, you know, that worked out. It fits right in with the beat. Everything else drops out besides that and the beat. And then, um, I just kind of took a little, uh, work your body line and mess with that. Turn that into a little swirly loop. And, uh, then I chopped up. I forgot what part I exactly chopped up. I think it was like the all my people uh, phrase. I chopped up a little little piece of that, little syllable, and turned that into its own little instrument and made a melody out of that. What I, what I liked is when I was listening to it, it's, and, and to what the the producer of another Britney song said, it's like, there are those parts where you're like, damn, I forgot. Like, it's like, you're pulling something out. So like, even with going from left to right ear and things like that and hearing things, it made me excited because it was amplifying parts that I might not have paid attention to before. Yeah. And it almost gives it a, a brand new listen. Like a, it felt brand new to me because you weren't taking everything verbatim as to what it was. And I think that that's a tendency of a lot of people to just keep everything the same. Don't chop anything up. Yeah. And like in what you mentioned to the panning. So like I, I bounced the, the toms around in here for the, for the fill. So it gives you like a really cool, fun, spacing and all that and you know i pan certain things left and right that i might normally not do that in certain other remixes um so that's kind of more what i picked up from the pwl style where i was that's where i did my deep dive into kylie minogue and now i have a weird obsession with her old songs right now um it just kind of came from that just doing research and you know i'm i'm so fresh on it i'm kind of numb to it at this point i'm like it's just everything's almost done so it's just kind of 
working its way outside outside of my brain now. So how can people? I mean, they're 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 getting a listen, a little snippet of it uh, yeah. during this episode. When are you going to release it, or how do they? Can they subscribe on YouTube? Like, what do you prefer? Definitely subscribe on YouTube. Um, make sure you hit the bell for all the notifications, as everybody says on YouTube. Um, and remember, before before you say anything, and everyone remember, you have to have a YouTube account in order to subscribe. A lot of people are like, yes. oh, I couldn't hit the subscribe button. It's like, you need to be logged in. So, so hit the subscribe button, get the bell. Subscribe, and then I'll, it'll be soon. What I love is that this is one of those remixes. You've done it a few times, too, where it's like you bring up these parts of the songs that I never paid attention to. And I always say, everyone, put headphones on. So, you know, for yeah. me, I'm just like... <laughs> This is cool. Like we're listening to it on, you know, an iPhone and I'm still like, you can hear the panning, but I think what you do is so good because you're not, I don't feel like it is a cut and paste of the original song. Yeah. And I feel like it sounds like it could have been made in the eighties and things like that. And what's funny is I don't often restructure the song a lot. I'll keep it, I'll keep Mm -hmm. the same standard pop structure, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, breakdown, bridge, whatever. And, you know, you can play around within that and still get really cool stuff. I wanted to hop out for a minute to talk a little bit about the next section of this episode. Nick and I had talked previously about people that were scamming individuals, that were acting as though they were an attorney or acting as though they were the artist themselves. This has come up in a few episodes, one with Joshua Schwartz, who talked about this during the Britney era in The Zone, that he kept receiving, or he had received an email from somebody who was claiming to be Larry Rudolph saying, can you send me these songs? We need those. We're working on a Britney Spears project. Josh knew that something was up, so he responded back, you know what? Hey, I'll just go ahead and give you a call so that we can, you know, hash this out over the phone instead. Well, then the person that was acting as though they were Larry Rudolph ended up coming clean and said they were just a fan. They just wanted access to this music. We had another uh, songwriter on here, Sophie Stern, who worked during the Femme Fatale album. She also worked with Kesha on a few songs that didn't make her album. She had received an email from somebody who was claiming to be Kesha. Now, mind you, this is well over 10 years ago. Many people thought who would make up who they were uh, when it comes down to these artists and who knew that they were working on some items. So... The Kesha person was asking, can you please send me those demos? I really enjoyed them. Sophie did. Within like a day and whatnot, whether it was sold or it was ultimately leaked online. And as we learned with every single songwriter producer who talked about this, when a song gets leaked, no one is getting paid for that. The songwriters don't get paid when they show up to go to a writing camp or go to a session. They only make money after the song has been officially, you know, put to bed, after it has been released, and after auditing, accounting, sometimes it takes well over a year, some five quarters plus to receive that. So when we get excited as fans of music to hear some unreleased and some leaks, you have to wonder who is losing money out on that. And oftentimes it is the songwriters and some of the producers. The sad part is, we want to hear these songs, and then at the other time, it's people who are fabricating who they are to get this. So they know they have to lie in order to get it, then they take it, whether they sell it or, you know, group fund anything. And it's just about respecting these artists, because you can't take something from somebody and then try selling it. 
that, and we talk about this with Frankie Storm, she says, that's illegal. What you're doing is not right. So I'm going to hop back in because this is something that I talked about specifically with Nick because he had a situation that sounds very similar to what I've seen pop up online over the last few years of doing some research. Back to the show. This story is something that comes up a lot where I've had many of the producers and songwriters who are like, somebody reached out to me and said, oh, I'm this person, I work with this person, or send me these tracks, send me this music. And so you yourself have had experience of somebody trying to, ultimately what I would say, scam. Oh, yeah. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, there's a lot of scammers out there. One of the the most hilarious ones um, was when I did my acoustic mix of Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. And I... Just put it online, maybe an hour or two hours later, somebody emailed me saying how they were somebody, I'm a little foggy on the details, but they emailed me saying that they were somebody involved with somebody who recorded some song for her and part of her team, and they wanted the multi-track to it, which at that, because at that point it hadn't leaked, and I'm kind of skeptical, skeptical when anybody asks me a question like that, and, uh, they just kept going. There was like four or five emails, a long list of like, they're talking about this person who they worked with and they know this person on Mariah Carey's team and this, all these names. I don't know. I, I know mm-hmm. Mariah Carey. That's it. Yeah. I don't know anybody else involved around her at all. And they just kept going on and on. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't give you this. I don't, if you know somebody, go ahead. I mean, that's fine. But I don't know you. I don't know them. And it's staying on my hard drive. And I learned later that this is, um, they were a common scammer amongst other Mariah Carey fans. And they were actually a lawyer, an entertainment lawyer, going around trying to get files from people so they can leak snippets and scam people for money and all that. So it's just, it's weird. It's weird out there. And, and that's <laughs> the part that, that stinks so much is these people are choosing to lie to get something. Yeah. They're not being truthful about it. They're, they're choosing to lie. I think the thing that sucks is that there are people out there and these things aren't put out there, not because the artist doesn't want them out there, but it's just they're, they shouldn't be out there, yeah. you know? And for people to try to, for people that lie to get access to these things, then sell them, that's a slap in the face to everyone involved. And I think that's the part that bothers me the most because people are like, oh, this guy wants to sell you this thing or that thing or whatever. And I'm like... Well, I'm not buying it. That's it. You know what I mean? I'm not buying it. Yeah. Or I want to trade you this, trade you that. I'm like, no, that's not, it's not my art to give away. Um, which has been great because all the the people that have been involved, like when we talked about the snippet of me against the music, you know, I'm like, I'm not like, hey, everyone, here's the, it's like, no, you send me the snippet that you, you know what I mean, <laughs> that, that we're going to play. Yeah. Because I respect people enough. And the whole idea of the original doll podcast is to, it's a love letter to everyone involved. And it, there's a lot that a lot of your time, your talent goes into these things and everyone else and people feel that they're entitled to this stuff. Yeah. So it's like you good for you to like realize, hey, something is not something is not like doth I protest too much. I know Mariah's dog walker and this and that. And so if the listener or the person's <laughs> listening, it's like, dude, stop. Like, and if you're in entertainment, you should know better. Yeah. You know what I mean, dude, you should know. Well, better. now it's like now the, the red flag is that you'll get messages across every platform. I'll get it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and an email. Mm-hmm. the same message i'm like something's not right <laughs> like you can tell right away you know when if somebody's coming across as too desperate or they're they have a weird story behind them no 
Yeah. No. Well, and it's funny because I think people think nowadays it's just you still send an MP3 through an email or something. It's like not many times has that happened anymore. Um, And there's secure ways. The other thing, too, is it's like I think it's just about respecting people. Like I get everyone is a fan of music and, and wants to be that. But you're just using somebody else's work to to get that clout to be like oh i have the first ever multi-track for it or whatever it's like people calm down <laughs> just enjoy the music and the part that bothers me is i've had people that are like oh i have all these things or whatever i'm like do you do you buy cds i've i would never buy britney spears cds yeah but i'm selling her you know recording stems for this demo that you know, i'm like wait what so you're not a, you're not a fan like yeah i i don't know who you are if you if you act as though you're a britney fan you're like i've never bought a britney cd or a britney song or whatever it's like <laughs> I don't know if you know what the word fan means. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's crazy. But all right. So as we come to the end of this, let us, the listeners know, how can we follow you? What are all those things again? Go back to the website, uh, Twitter, OnlyFans, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> OnlyFans is coming soon. It's just me messing around with stems. Um, Ooh, spicy. You're yeah, turning this up. Yeah. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Goes back to a couple films I made back in college. Um, no, everything, uh, website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything is remixed by Nick. SoundCloud. I have SoundCloud again. I try to upload what I can when I can. The old account was great when I had millions of plays, but that got nuked. Oh God. That's, uh, that happens. It's one of those things. It, it feels like the wild west at some points. Yeah. And then other times you're like, yeah. Um, cause like even with YouTube, People are like, oh, you can put anything up. I'm like, just make sure you don't get a strike. Like, whatever you yeah. do, make sure you don't get a strike. Yeah. Um, and now it's, there are more and more songwriters and producers that are like, there are other people in charge of this to, to protect my brand. Um, and it's funny because I think people are going to notice more and more when some accounts go more silent, like uh, of artists or recording artists or anything, they're going to be like, what's happening? It's like, chances are they're probably working with something and they're not trying to get anything, right. anything out there. Um, so then how can we also, are there, do you ever do, um, Patreon or things like that? Like how can people support you? No, I've never done a Patreon or anything like that. I should probably look into it. Doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, but otherwise just follow me, share, share everything. Hopefully, hopefully somebody like Brittany or Michael Jackson's team can hear, um, you know, hear what I'm doing. And uh-huh. get involved. Nick, thank you so much for joining us on the Original Doll Podcast and helping us raise uh, funds and things like that and then toys that we're going to be passing out. And so we're going to be getting this stuff and be able to distribute it uh, within the first of the year. So thank you so much just for talking about it. And thank you for all the work that you do because that's a lot of time spent on this stuff. So we as fans appreciate it. Yeah. And, and look, at these. <laughs> are just, I just took the, the top 15 questions. These people are from all over the world that are giving you compliments on... and. They're all different songs that they like, which is, that's awesome. It, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I I mean, I love all the people who follow me. I get some really strange comments. I love the weird comments as much as I love the ones that are like, oh, I love this song. I love this remix. Um, so I'm just, I'm glad you, you had me on the show. I'm glad to be your little guinea pig for the first. Yes, yes. For everyone that doesn't know, we're doing this in person. So if it all sounds different, yeah. <laughs> that's why. That's why. And some entertainment lawyer said he's going to take this clip and he's going to give it to his people. <laughs> yeah, it's going to um, be sold for thousands be, of it's dollars. It's going to be sold for thousands of dollars. I love it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for that. And then, uh, so listeners, here is a snippet 
of remix by Nick's remix of <laughs> that's a word you just say. A lot of a lot of repetition there. Yeah. yeah. This is the here, I'll just throw it to you. Introduce your song, Nick. <laughs> here is my new remix, completely 80s styled of Me Against the Music. Thank you. See you all on the flip side.